0: Hi everyone, welcome to Better Homes and Dungeons. This week, we asked people why they were into our particular proclivity, and the most popular answer was, "be to me. Uh, yeah, uh, that one's painful, but for people who are into this, yeah, maybe that's what they, no. no. At some point I'm going to tell you one, and it's going to be so different. <laughs> you, oh, thank you. I don't have to roll for that one?
1: No, it's fine. It's fine good.
0: Excellent. Um, so joining me today is is the DM behind the screen. Um, Sorry, I just had a, an absolute mental blank. Should I be using your name name or your Twitter name?
1: Uh, either is fine. I mean, Clay Vernon, uh, or I'm the DM behind the screen. or I'm, all, I'm at Huramir, uh on Twitter. So I answer to any and all of those. Excellent.
0: Um, where does the name Hyomir come from? Is that an old character, or it, it is actually um,
1: uh, actually it was a character uh, it was a pre gen character uh, that my friend had created um, in a campaign long ago. It was actually right when we were bridging from second edition to third edition. He wanted to run a game, oh. <laughs> and yeah, that was really crazy uh, for a that, while. That there. is some and time. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I started playing D anD D in uh, 1978. I played AD in 1978, so uh, a long, long time. I have a lot of a lot of years under the belt, so to speak. Um, a lot of war stories. Uh, but yeah, it's a character that my, my, my friend created. It just became a very that can't you know, you, I, you know if you've been play, playing these games for a while. Every once in a while, I mean, all the campaigns are fun, but every once in a while a campaign would just seem magical, right? Like like the whole group, the whole table is clicking. Everyone is completely into the story and their character, and you feel motivated, and it's just uh, a super exciting time. And that's what this campaign was. So it's just a character that stuck with me, and uh, it kind of became my my name handle, right? Because, you know, this is before the Internet has really taken off in, in the gaming sphere like it is today. So it was like, I was making accounts everywhere, and I was just using it everywhere. So, uh, yeah, old character.
0: Excellent. I mean, I'm I'm lucky. I'm I'm in I'm in a group that's being run at the moment uh, in Homebrew, and it, it definitely feels like that. It it's it's one of those groups that the Dungeon Master said, "Hey, is there anyone in Australia who wants to play D and D?" And a whole bunch of us all just like chucked our hands up. Like, well, yeah, and, I want to play. Oh yeah. Pardon? I said yeah. I'm green. Yeah. Um, and it was just like a and, and we've been playing for a bit over a year now. And it's been going amazingly well. Like I, I'm one of those people that is kind of like an almost like eternal dungeon master. Hmm. Um. So yeah, it's been really cool, and I'm actually running majority of the people in that group now through a Kobold Press campaign, Tales of the Old Margrave. Okay. Yep. Uh, and the the weekly podcast group I've got. Um, we're playing like a homebrew. Uh, version of Curse of Strahd, that's kind of like, what if this was like a Western and a steampunk thing? Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I, 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 for a long time, I was pretty much the, uh, you know, the proverbial DM all the time. I I was the guy uh, running all the games. I'm really fortunate right now. uh, I have, there's at least four of us at the table uh, that are willing to jump behind the screen and, and run games. So we rotate pretty pretty often kind of like on eight-ish week stints we will we'll, we'll rotate DMs and go back to you know well it's not the same campaign we keep on hopping between the four campaigns as DMS take breaks um, So it's, 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 it's nice because we keep everything fresh uh, when you're not actually when you're not active we can spend time prepping for our next stint
0: uh, so it's, it's a really good situation for me right yeah. now I mean you, you could run like good little mini campaigns or even like a couple of different campaigns at once.
1: Yeah, we we so my table tends to be homebrewing uh, uh, centric, and and long form campaigns where we will play the same characters for years at a time, um, and that's, that's, the, that's what we like the, we, we like to see kind of that long plot development and story. development. Um, it's just one way to play. It's not any, it's not necessarily any better than, than than one shots or or short little stories. Uh, it's just what we like. It's the juice
0: look it, it it's a cool way of doing it and if you if you've got a group that where you you can have that consistency over years mm-hmm. i mean i I know of i mean I've got one group that we haven't played for about eight months and so we had not played for like eight months, and then we had one session which went really really well, and now it's just like it's that time of year when it's like look everyone is just Shit, crazy busy, yep. and we're all parents. We're all dads, right. so it's kind of a case of, all right, um, does anyone have time over December? And everyone's like, no. Yeah, I mean, adulting is hard, right? <laughs> adulting always gets in
1: the way of fun. Um, you know, we, we play on a on a weekly basis, right? We it's kind of like bowling night for us or or poker night. Uh, we just kind of establish that. But sometimes people are going to miss sessions and, you know, because of work or life, family, you know, all those things happen and we just kind of roll with it. We try to put, we try to play weekly, but uh, like, you know, because just like you're saying, the holidays are crazy right now. We're about to take a three week break uh, because of the holidays and, and people going on vacation, that type of thing. Uh, one guy I, I play with, uh, I started playing with in the second grade uh, and I'm still playing with him today. So uh, long, long time at the same table with, with some of these guys decades hmm.
0: no um, I mean I'm pretty similar like where uh, I'm taking I mean this is my this is the last thing I will be releasing before Christmas and it's going to be the last thing I release for maybe three weeks right. because I'm <clears throat> sorry I'm going away uh Look, next week's Christmas and everything is like, look, I'm not going to make anyone do anything. But the week and the week after that, like, for a lot of that period of time, I'm going to be somewhere where I don't have the internet.
1: You're not going to go to Hawaii with the Prime Minister? (laughs) No. No.
0: (laughs) Hashtag not my Prime Minister. Hashtag (laughs) I didn't vote for him. Hashtag, <laughs> oh, and this is something I don't know if foreigners will get, but hashtag where the bloody hell are you? Okay, sorry, sorry. To explain that to all US citizens and, and people from all over the place, um, our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, was for a while in charge of Tourism Australia. And he came out with an ad where a young lady who had a career in things after this that got really popular... Pretty well finished an ad saying, hey, we've done this for you. We've done this for you. We've got this ready for you. And she just asks, so where the bloody hell are you? And I don't know if anyone was like impressed with this. It was more just like, <sighs> but, it, but it was one of those, it's so bad you need, it's, it's a train wreck and people always want to see it.
1: We know something about train wreck politics in America, so
0: yes. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> I can. I can imagine. Um, although there was one. There, there, okay, so we we to to kind of like move on from this, but in in a way that's kind of funny. Um, in Australia, we also have a uh, a part of Australia called the Northern Territory, or the NT, as it's otherwise known, because you know we're lazy. Sure. And they brought out an avatar and you can find this and this was their official thing this is what the government produced and it says C the letters C-U tiny words in the big letters N-T there you go <laughs> and so did big admittedly brilliant but not acceptable <laughs> Sure. Funny. And and, uh, if you don't know any Australians, I've just described all of us in one go. There you go. And the drinking. Um, But yeah, we're not not here to talk about that. We're we're here to chat about D&D. Now, you've you've run a heck of a lot of tables, I assume. Mm -hmm. Uh, You said that homebrew is is very, very much your thing. Mm -hmm. Um. What, what kind of when you sit down to homebrew a thing, where mm-hmm. do you start? Well, that's a pretty big question. Um, I know, and, and <laughs> it's evolved over the years, right? Like,
1: I mean, certainly um, early on when I started homebrewing, it was just like you know you would read a like I'd really like to read a fantasy book, and I'd be oh I'm really motivated by this, and I want something kind of like this in my D anD D game, and I would kind of just kind of hack something out of there so I could I could get elements uh, of things that, were, that I found interesting into the game. But uh, over time, I kind of developed this, uh, kind of my, my, my approach is I start with a target tone or element that I want to uh, really dive into. I really want to make it sing and dance. So um, as an example, my current homebrew setting, Aerosil, I remember that moment uh, years and years ago when I was watching Fellowship of the, the Ring, the movie. Uh, and there's that scene where Gandalf, uh, he leaves to go to uh, Isildur or minus Tirith and read the scrolls of Isildur uh, to mm-hmm. determine that the the ring is the one ring. Um, and that was kind of a really poignant moment for me uh, as a viewer. Cause you know, cause I'm always thinking as a DM when I watch these types of movies, I'm like at that exact moment, history really mattered. Like, like it brought the history of the world forward in such a way that I thought, what an interesting element, right? Like, Obviously, when we when we play D and D games, you know, we see history as a thing. Like, okay, it's an ancient society, you know, and underground somewhere, you know, some people who lived three thousand years ago, they built a city or a dungeon, or whatever. And, that, and that's and that's great, uh, but I really wanted to take that idea of having history inform the world now as a as a very powerful element. Uh, so I use that as kind of my core idea of. Everything I'm trying to do in this campaign is, when possible, we'll circle back to the idea that what is happening today, although maybe largely understood, is informed by the sins of the past, the things that happened before. Um, And what this has done is, in, in, in my current Homebrew campaign, it's gotten to the point, Josh, where when they find historical documents that are accurate, it's like a form of treasure to them. Because they literally have these folders full of documents, of little pieces of information, uh, and they sit there and, and they cr- try and cross-reference and they're just peeling the onion to get at the truth, at the larger things that are happening in
0: the setting. Uh, one of my players actually wrote an exegesis on a can paper. I, can I interrupt and say this sounds absolutely amazing? I'm very much about this. I, I think this far? is cool. So <laughs> you, you had my curiosity and now you have my attention. Uh, so yeah, uh,
1: it, it creates a new type of treasure, right? Where it's not just about the magic sword. Everyone loves the magic sword, and that's cool. And I and I certainly give those out. Uh, but even though the weapons and magic items I give out have a place in history, and all these little things that they they they, they piece together, little pieces of clues, and you know, I, I'm I'm very much a proponent uh, when it comes to DMing of show don't tell. So I will give them little pieces of information and, and I will try and connect the dots to them, right? I'll just leave them there and I'll, I'll let them percolate. Um, but eventually you know, one, one of the players will be sitting there and something will happen in, in the game and will be looking at notes from, you know, eight months ago and we'll have that moment and they'll be like, holy crap. And, and all of a sudden they'll just realize uh, the, the, the level of evil that is going on. Uh, I love that moment as a game master, right? When, when your work does all the work for you. Like, I didn't have to ram it down their throat. I didn't give people a 20-page document to read. It's shown over time from session to session to session. Yeah. And all of a sudden, something will put together for the table and the players are panicking because they realize uh, the truth of the deviousness uh, that is going on. I love that moment. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of way. So when I start homebrewing, that's what I do. So, like, if you think if you think about some of the very popular D settings, like Dark Sun. Hmm.
0: Dark oh, Sun. I, I it, loved Dark Sun. That video right, game was the ball. Dark it Sun, was great.
1: Spelljammer, Planescape. You know, all these heavily <clears throat> the Ravenloft. Right. You were just talking hmm. about your 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 Ravenloft homebrew, your your twist on it. Like all those campaign settings. The reason I love them because it takes uh, an element or a tone, and it informs everything. Like they're, everything in Ravenloft is gothic horror. Right. Everything in Dark Sun is about, you know, the scant materials, the blazing earth, you know, um, it just it just informs the role play.
0: I, I just had a bit of a, a bit of a naughty idea for um for, for the for the thing you're playing in. What you could potentially do is get your player characters now to pick one of like the big historical figures in your world. Level them up onto level 20. Say, guys, you're playing at God mode. Sure. Level 20. And they get to, like, enact some of the things. And then later on, you can release, like, little notes about what these people did. But because it's been so long, it could be, well, you know, the hero of this piece was, you know, this character. But because it's been so long in history, they actually come out as a villain. Yeah. Yeah
1: yeah well I mean it is with history It is interesting is interesting how history is determined by the victor, right? Mm. You know like the victor will write what people will accept as truth, but the, the real truth can always be something different. Yeah, um, I use a lot of you know a lot of a lot of my uh, history has different words from different cultures for the same things and the same events. And so sometimes they'll have two what are seemingly different pieces of information that are talking about the same thing from different perspectives. Uh, and so they don't—they don't have that mapping. Uh, so sometimes when, when a mapping appears, they're like, "Oh, that is that. Those are the same thing." That changes everything. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of layers and nuance you can do uh, to play with something like that. But it's just one example, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah my, my general approach to, to home brewing is, when possible, tie things back to a very strong theme. Um, I find those to be the most interesting type of settings for me personally. Like I know a lot of people love. Uh, Greyhawk, and Forgotten and I've had a lot of fun in both those settings over the years. But, by and large, they're pretty vanilla. They're kitchen sink settings because Wizards of the Coast or or TSR, you know, they designed them to be able to consume all other offerings they have in their product line, right? So, these are the settings that no matter what books we put out later, they exist here in the world. They all fit in in a very kind of generic, comfortable way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, so I, I, I kind of like, like, like I said, the, the very strong-toned, quirky
0: settings. And, uh,
1: and uh, the homebrews that we run reflect that. Hmm.
0: I, you, admittedly, you've actually just given me an idea for something to do with my, um, uh, that, that, that game we were talking about, which would be to get the main big bad evil guy and to give someone that character, but say, right, he's level one, and to kind of play that out. Sure. Because that would sure, be yeah. fun. Yeah. Sorry. Th- thank, thank you. I mean, I, I don't want to, like, sit here and tap these out because it would just drive someone insane. Um, but that's really cool. Like, I, I really like... And, and, okay. Sorry, I'm just also organizing my thoughts. A, I really like the idea of that world where history is really important. And I really love that scene in Lord of the Rings. Right. Because also it kind of establishes Gandalf as not just this guy on a cart. Yeah. It also shows that side of him that we don't often see, which is something of like a guardian of history. Right. Well, I mean... Uh, uh, like like a, know, like a gentle guider of, of cultures, not in a way that's like devious and manipulative, but like, hey, wait a second. We saw this a while ago. Right. I, I think we can learn from this now. Right i always kind of viewed that
1: character uh, as two... Like, like, Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White are two sides of the same personality. It, it, it's really the way I look at it. It's like, you know, when times were peaceful, the hobbits saw him as Gandalf the Grey, right? The guy shows up with the fireworks, likes to smoke, you know, mm-hmm. and he's just a really down-to-earth, lovable kind of guy. But I think Gandalf the White always existed. I think because being... Uh, I don't know how, how, many, how deep you're... Your Middle Earth lore goes, but being one hmm. of the Astari, one of the wizards, uh, he had a responsibility from the very beginning, and he, of course he's aware of these things. So while on the surface the you know the Shire views of him as this traveling uh, sideshow magician, uh, you know when he goes to to uh, Minas Tirith to look at those scrolls, I think that's Gandalf the White already in action. It's just that it's it's two parts of him. And so when he dies, you know, uh, fighting the Balrog, and he comes back. He's got no time for Gandalf the
0: Grey anymore, right? This is, mm. the, you know, this is the end of the third age. That, that, that is a very cool interpretation of that. So. Now, the, the other idea I had once for a game, and I, I'm told someone else on this, was to play a game with only clerics. And it was essentially going to be, okay, you're not going to be playing the same characters. You're going to be playing the same characters for a while, but at some point we're going to skip ahead a couple of hundred years and you're going to have different characters. And because it was, the idea was that it was going to go over like a couple of millennia, I was going to call it clerical errors. And that's also because I have a terrible sense of humor. Um, that's cute. No, I like that. Thank like you. It. <laughs> but I also look at that and say, like, Josh, you don't have time. Your children need a father. Your wife needs a husband. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. <laughs> you're in enough groups. You're doing enough with your life. You're about to do more. No. Um, but but I like the idea of creating a world with that kind of history. But potentially even like, say, putting the player characters in charge and saying, look, what would you make of this? How, sure, how yeah. would this inform your character? Yeah. Because C- it, 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 admittedly, I think one of the things that um, you, you mentioned Ravenloft and, and, and what I've done and whatnot um, to make it, you know, more cowboy hats and long cloaks. Um, a, we all need a cowboy hat and a long coat. They look great. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Um, Because the thing with Barovia is Barovia has a rich history, but the player characters know nothing about it. Right. My homebrew world has something of a history, which I'm changing and updating all the time. Um, uh, but yeah, the player characters were never part of it. And so for me, like I've said, okay, guys, what I want you to do is I want you to, to create some NPCs that we're going to interact with. And for one of them, it was his daughter that he didn't know about. Interesting. Which has made the party dislike him even more. <laughs> sure. But it's it's been great because it's suddenly given this character who is a bit of a jerk. But you think, oh, yeah, he's a bit of a jerk, but he's probably right. And it's just like, you're a contemptible asshole. <laughs> So it sets him up for a really nice character arc, where hopefully he might redeem himself. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's really cool to do that kind of thing. I
1: agree?: Yeah, yeah. Homebrewing is a wonderful hobby. as like D and; DM and' you know, just playing D and; D. I kind of consider homebrewing and world building to be its own hobby. That happens yeah. to support my D&D game, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like you're talking about we're so busy. Can we get everyone together to play during the holidays? When you're a DM and you're homebrewing, you always have something to mess with and play with and, and tinker with, right? Like, while other people are waiting for the next session, well, you're kind of playing anyway because you're playing at world building. You know, at the end of the, and the other day, we're talking about the power of creation. And the power of creation is awesome and addictive. Mm, uh, it is. It's, a, it's an extremely fun hobby, uh, I, I understand why people do uh, prefab dungeons, right? Because they're, they're huge time savers. Yeah. Right? Uh, and we have, you know, adulting is hard. We have families and, you know, partners and children, jobs, whatever. Yeah. Um, but if you have the time, homebrewing is just a wonderful, fun thing by itself.
0: It is. I, I also think, like, there are that many tools out there now, like the Sly Flourish uh, Lazy DM Guide. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the, I think it's called the Wataboo uh, Map Creator. I don't know, I use
1: Incarnate, but yeah, I, I
0: know there's a handful of, of yeah. um, map, and, map programs out there. Yeah, and there's, like a, there's, there's hundreds of modules you can buy for like a few bucks each. Yeah. Or, or even Humble Bundles, which is how I've gotten majority of the module stuff that I run.
1: Right.
0: Um, but it's great to go through that and just take stuff. Like, you don't have to draw by hand every dungeon you want your PCs to go through. If there's a tool that brings that hours-long process down to 30 minutes Mm -hmm. so you can focus on the parts of everything that you really love, use those tools. Sure. Well, sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I have kind of this this theory that um, prefabbed uh, dungeons and settings save you time mm. in prep, but I find them harder in, during execution while you're at the table. Okay. Um, and homebrew being the opposite, you mm. got to do all the prep yourself, but they're easier to run at the table. And the reason being is when you buy a book, you have to memorize it as much as you can. You're trying to read between sessions and there'll be mm. those times inevitably where you're like, I don't remember what that was. Let me go look it up, right? Because you've got this 184 page book right in front of you. Mm. But when you homebrew everything, it's, it's all in your. It's already in your skull, right? Because you took the time to work on it. You're, you're therefore you're more intimately familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, and when someone asks you something, you know, other than an occasional maybe you know proper name or whatever, like you know the setting, you know the material because it was your material in the first place. So the, the likelihood of you needing to look something up during execution is very low, right? Because you did the work. Yeah. So it's it's just. That's how I think of it, anyway. But there's uh, pros and cons to both.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and also, I mean, I think there's no problems with going off book. None I of all.
1: I certainly agree. There are certainly those out there who don't agree, right? Well, they're, they're, um, they're, 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 yeah. There is certainly a mindset with some people that is like the purity of the dungeon as it was presented. No, no, I
0: agree thank but, you but there are, but there are Sorry, players that, that say was well just, that cheated, was, that right, was just a reflex than clay <laughs> we, we, we can't play around with our imaginary world then what right. good is it
1: right yeah it, it, it you know but there is certainly that contingent of people that say that the more you homebrew the, the, the less honest your version of D&D is
0: <laughs> yeah I know well I okay you. I feel you I, a couple of nights ago um, and this is a really good segue just watch just watch this is going to segue like nothing like beautifully. A couple of nights ago I started running um, a module called How Orcus Stole Christmas. And I was running this for, you know, my son uh, my nephew, who is from overseas, who's staying with us as as, as an exchange student um, <clears throat> and a friend of mine from church and his daughter and this is her first time playing anything like this. And you know, so she she's trying to figure out how she wants to make a character and She's like, oh, you know, and I'm like, well, okay, who's your favorite character from, like, comic books or movies or books or or TV or anything? Who's your favorite one? And she said Rocket Raccoon. And she's like, is there, like, a raccoon thing I could use? I'm like, we can homebrew it. That's fine. And here's the thing. There's going to be someone out there that's like, oh, there's no raccoon people. And it's like, "Yeah, yeah, dude, Halfling. There are no fireballs either, right? So, halfling, right? Keep the size, keep the lucky, keep all that kind of stuff, and just give it the the the, the D four claw thing from Tabaxi. Yeah, there you go. You you've done it. I mean, and and look, you've. I mean, you you haven't imbalanced it. You haven't you know made a stupid world destroying change to anything you've just said to someone sure let's find a way to make this work and it's funny like i've only really been playing again for the last two years but it's kind of just been like it's it's taken like these year and a half just to get to the point where i'm like sure you know what chuck it in we'll look throw it in the ring we'll kick it about and we'll make it into a shape we can all agree on
1: right Yeah, I mean, I certainly, you know, I respect the power of balance. Like, if things are too skewed one way or another, it can ruin fun. But at the same time, I think about all the fun we don't have in the name of balance, right? Like, Uh we're so concerned about balance, we'll be hesitant to do the fun thing. Because, was it really balanced? Who cares? But at the end of the day, if the goal of the game is to have fun, and I assert that it is to have fun... Uh, a little imbalance is just fine, and you're right. Uh, if you get it out there and you say, "Whoa, that's not a little imbalance; it's way unbalanced." We didn't we we didn't anticipate how these rules would intersect like this when we came up with this thing. We'll change it. Fine, yeah, yeah because it's, because it's now, it's now ruining
0: the fun, right? Yeah. So you just you just roll with the flow.
1: Um, yeah,
0: have fun. That's that's the goal. Let's have yeah. fun. And, and on the subject of um, holiday modules. Mm-hmm. see people that's that's the segue see how quick how good that was smooth um so yeah I, i'm running how the Orcus saved uh, sorry stole christmas uh which i bought from humble bundle which unfortunately is since run out um and it's very funny like it, it references a lot of pop culture icons in this adventure and I, and I like that i'm i'm chilled out enough that i can go you know what yeah you want jack skellington in there let's have him in there that'll be great and also sure. I got to sing part of the what's this, what's this song at the D&D <laughs> session. So, I mean, look, everyone won. Right. Um, except for the people who had to listen to my singing because it's not very good. <laughs> um, but looking at holiday modules, like, what do you, like, I, I like the idea of Christmas being one.
1: Yeah. Um, obviously, it's that time of year. Uh, yeah, when, we, when you first reached out, you said, let's talk about, uh, you know, some holiday modules and I'm like, well, we can certainly talk about them, but you know, being a home brewer, it's not my normal wheelhouse where I would buy one, but I would certainly create one, okay. uh, if that's something I wanted to do. Yeah. So, uh, my, I guess my thought here is, you know, just like I was talking about how do I homebrew a setting, we can just take a, that same approach with an adventure. Like, okay, we're going to use the element of Christmas and we're going to try and create something fun and kind of interesting out of that. Uh, it might be a little tongue-in-cheek at times because, you know, we're trying to jam Christmas into D&D. Uh, but that can be it's, – it's a fun exercise in and of itself. Hmm. Um, so usually my approach for something like this, now that we uh, agree that, you know, Christmas is the thing, is to start kind of uh, coming up with some uh, – like, what are some tangible items or ideas out of Christmas that we can use as elements in the adventure? Uh, so certainly Santa Claus is, is a pretty easy one, right? Uh, yeah. Christmas tree is pretty easy. Um, flying reindeer, okay, that, that could be a monster or something, but we'll just say reindeer for now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what, something that seems kind of interesting to me that's kind of a hidden little thing in Christmas that might be fun to play with is the idea of Santa Claus's list of who's naughty and
0: who's nice. That would make a great heist, machine. Right, well, yeah, so... I mean, let you me know about the, 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 the naughty
1: and nice list. The naughty, the, the kids that are naughty, they get coal. And the kids that are nice, they get
0: presents. Um, this could also be a conspiracy theory from like all the dwarves. They start acting naughty like at the last moment. In order to say, you know, just get as much coal as they can. <laughs>
1: yeah. it's there's a shortage on coal, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they call All the, the market to even a little we need Extra coal? Was yeah. we, coal? we want coal. We want to burn some coal. Yeah, that's actually. It's, it's, it, I like where you're going with that. It's Thank you. Twist. Right now. Some people would want that. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, we want to make this an, an adventure, right? Um, mm. So we need some danger here uh, and some to, to, to mount tension. My idea of D D is. You mount tension to, to bring adventure and characters do heroic things to release tension. Um, so uh, I'm, gonna, I'm kind of thinking like we'll turn this on its ear. Like, you know, I think it's pretty, pretty easy to paint Santa Claus as an elf, right? Because that's kind of classically how he's thought of. But if we change that and say, okay, maybe not an elf, maybe um, something fey.
0: How? I know it's perfect. A red cap. Right, because Red Caps have a Red Cap. Um, Santa Claus has a Red Cap. I, I, I absolutely unconnected, uh, but uh, in, there's a, a parody module called Monsters of Mirka, um made by a, a friend of this podcast by the name of Jaron R.M. Johnson. And I actually created a creature called the Red Cap um, based on the, the, the folklore story, um, but also because uh, people who support a, a certain 45th person were red caps and the idea was that it was just <laughs> oh, okay <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> funny funny um, <laughs> josh being mean
1: <laughs> um so what if this red cap how, so how does this red cap play with the list right we already talked about the list right and the, the, the naughty and nice list so now i'm thinking because red caps as we know are very terrible evil uh they you know they they, they are about killing things what if this red cap is like almost like an assassin? And the list, the naughty or nice list, is those that are naughty are the ones the red cap will be coming for when he comes down the chimney. Uh, you know, if he leaves you a coal to mark that you've been marked for death, Ooh, as an idea. That's right. Nice. So, so like that, you, know, you, know, tension, you yeah. know, the mob would send you the, the flower, like this guy's going to be dead. We're going to give it, or, or the kiss of death, right? Like they would give you the kiss. It's a symbol mm. of you've been marked for death. Right? So
0: yeah.
1: um, so the Red captain. Yeah, classes. like you
0: could play that really well. There's been like an, a noble and just one day, one year, this right. small piece of coal just turns up on his desk and it just says 365. And with every day that goes past, it gives the number of the day and the sins he has committed.
1: Yeah, you could play it a lot of ways. You could yeah. play it a lot of ways. But I mean, I mean, this is how I would do things. Like, like, I grab elements... And I make them something, and, and, and I find ties. I find ways to tie them together. Yeah. So we have an assassin. He's a, he's a red cab named Saint Nick. Uh, he has a list. as a knotty or nice of who he kills and who he doesn't kill. But an assassin needs someone to hire him. Like, like someone is always behind the assassin. Someone's paying the assassin. And what, so we have to figure out now... Why someone we put on the naughty or nice list that would point us to who the broker is of the assassin in the first place. Hmm. Um, so what else did we mention? We mentioned. Um, well, I mean, I imagine there would have
0: to be a contract which would be full of clauses. Clause. There you hey. go.
1: There you go. See? <laughs> See? This is fun. This is this is this is this is
0: this is why I enjoy homebrewing. It, right? it also you, just you, gives me a chance to just come up with the worst puns I can, <laughs> and those are bad, man. Those are bad. Right, right. So what does it mean when the,
1: when the Santa Claus is engaged? What if the Santa Claus is when we enact this when we enact this clause in our contract? That's what forces the red cap into action, right? Mm. Don't make us execute the Santa Claus, and that releases oh, the red there cap. There you go. That's thing. beautiful, right? Yes. Um, so uh, we we talked about uh, what other elements we have. We have the we have the, the Christmas tree and the reindeer. Um, so my idea here, you know, we, is to to think about like, like like I know like the Grinch stole
0: the tree and that and that was stealing Christmas. So maybe the tree is a thing. Can that people I, can are I just add one little detail about the uh, the red cap assassin? Um, mm-hmm. It could be kind of like his proviso that you know he's mounted on like a, say a white horse or some such, and he kills people. Say outside in a field because then it'd be a one horse open sleigh. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's something I don't want to go that far. <laughs> one of my friends is like going that's to that's hit heard. me that's in the face when little, they hear yeah. that one. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> wow, <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I got punched in the nose there. Okay, hold on. Um, sorry, no, 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 so. You know, when you see when you think of trees in D and uh, D, druids are an obvious connection, but maybe it's a little bit too obvious. Uh, when you know trees, you know, maybe the Christmas tree is, is like a treant, or maybe the Christmas tree is the tree of a group of dryads um, yeah.
0: that want to protect the tree. There's um there's also some stuff in the Margreve um thing that I mentioned, because it's it's set in like Slavic forests. Um there are these guys called Leshis and they're like dude dryads? They're like old okay. men of the forest mm-hmm. and there's something cool there, but there's also a race called pineys. Um, and they're like a half plant, half, tr- half person um, humanoid. And sure. like to the point where they no longer eat, but they photosynthesize. Right. So like there's a whole race that you could have there is like, you know, we, we, we are guardians of the pines kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, now we have to kind of like so if the tree is the MacGuffin, like that's the thing that the Dryads or the druids or whoever cares about, we have to figure out what the people who are naughty or on the naughty side of the list what they have done to to endanger or upset the the, the people who protect this tree. So it could be uh, expanding landowners who are deforesting, uh, you know, outside of town and they're getting dangerously close to where this sacred tree. Uh, lives as hmm. an idea, right? Um, so, you know, from a high level, we have like now we have a number of kind of Christmasy things that we have kind of loosely tied together, but we need to find a ways to kind of, like, how are we going to use these to create moments of adventure. Now, I think uh, a, a lot of DMs fall into what I think is a little bit of a trap, but it's very easy to say, okay, I'm just going to string together five combat encounters. Uh, and I love combat as much as the next person does, I really do. Combat's a lot of fun, but. I think when you're looking at adventures, we have to consider all three pillars, right? You know, classically, D&D 5e calls the pillars combat, social, and exploration. I kind of changed the word exploration to mean discovery. Anything that is not combat or social means you're traveling or you're learning something, right? So we could say, I'm going to take the list. The idea, if the players can get their hands on the list or a copy of the list... That in and of itself is exploration, right? That, that's discovery. Hmm. This, is, this, is, this is interesting information, but they don't know why people are on the naughty or the nice list. So this, this opens up more exploration to them. Like Part of the adventure is going to be trying to unravel why are some of these people being killed? What is the common thing between them? Uh, and so now we have all kinds of social things we can do. Based off of that, as they go around town investigating what is the thing that links these people on the naughty side of the list together.
0: Also with the dryad thing, um it also means you can uh, incorporate elements like holly and mistletoe really easily. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, mm. Yeah, of
0: course. Of course. Well, I I, I do like it, this I mean, Julia, are, are there any, classically uh, uh, Yeah, mistletoe. yeah, I mean th- this is just you and me spitballing, but I mean right. like it cuz uh <clears throat> sorry. A while ago I wanted to do like an Easter adventure. And I wanted to try and find, like, all the pagan stuff connected to Easter. Right. Um, because, like, there's there's some good stuff there. Right. There's some really yeah. interesting stuff. Um, didn't manage to get it done and didn't really look at it. But, I mean, when you look at Christmas as well, like, um, have you read Terry Pratchett's Hogfather? I have not. <gasps> I have not. Uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think my facial expression was a little overhand. Over are large. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, uh, there's also a BBC like TV version. It's like a two-part miniseries thing. It is great. Um, but it is, it is essentially... It. To kind of spoil it a little bit, in this um, fantasy world, the Discworld, they have a version of um, Santa Claus called The Hogfather. And he has gone missing... And so in order to save Christmas, Death dresses up as Santa. <laughs> Hilarious. Look, I think that's all I need to tell a lot of people to say, look, you will enjoy this. It's funny as hell. It's really intelligent. And Pratchett was... He was he was a very, very good author, particularly like his mid-late stuff was really good. Um... But whenever he wrote things like this with death, he would always, like, kind of look at why humans decided that this was a good idea. And a lot of the pagan imagery and a lot of the stuff that we get from Christmas is, um, when you look at some of the origins, it's, it's really intense stuff. Um, pardon me, sorry. Yeah. Like, when you, when you look at, like, when Christmas would take place in um, Europe... Um, it was not a time of plenty. Okay. It's it's dead of winter.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah, that makes sense.
0: So, and, and his version of it, like, Hogswatch is like when you start killing pigs that you've been fattening up all year. And that is actually, I mean, if you've, if you've read anything about this, it's really fascinating. Like, um, I was reading an Anthony Bourdain book. And he was talking about bit and content warning people. This might get a bit gross, and I'm very, very sorry. Skip ahead three minutes. Um, but he's at a like a pig slaughtering party somewhere in Europe, and he's talking about the fact that they use all the pig. <laughs> like they they will hang it up by its back feet. They'll they'll cut it open, sure. and they'll make soup from the blood. And they will just, like, everything that you can eat, like, everything on a pig is something you can eat. Right. And there's a lot of... Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But it really comes down to, like, when you start to bring in this kind of image, not exactly that, maybe, but when you start to bring in the aspects of, okay, well, think about time of year on this. Think about those pagan origins of so many of our rituals now. Right then you can really get something right yeah i mean we've just been spitballing but there's so much you could dig into just with this one holiday absolutely
1: and 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 that's so the nice thing the nice thing uh about working with a theme an element you know a tone whatever your theme is is that it does a couple things one as we as we sat here it generates its own ideas, right? We just started naming things associated with the holiday and we're just grabbing them grabbing them or, or we're tying things to them. But the other thing it does is, is uh, implicitly creates cohesion between the elements back to the players, right? Because we started with the thing and that thing informed all of our design decisions. All the design decisions that the players experienced during execution will spell the same thing back the opposite direction. As they put those pieces together, it will seem plausible. And there, therefore, the byproduct is verisimilitude goes up because the, the, the adventure, the world, the setting becomes more believable because everything was tied together cohesively from the very get-go. Because we weren't just building things in a vacuum. We decided on something that was going to inform our design choices. And because mm-hmm. we kept on going back to that same thing, no matter which angle they come at this story, right? Mm. All the angles they could possibly grab will lead back to the same thing.
0: Yeah, You, you could even say do like a... Um, sorry, you, you've now just got me thinking and I'm just like, you know, saying stuff out loud. You could even do like a horror thriller version of the Death House from Curse of Strahd, but with the Krampus is hunting the party. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I think you'd need a, a pretty... You'd need to have a very, very strict set of like content and consent... In place, it's like, look, what are the bad things your character has done? What haunts them? Sure. And you know, the DM would have to say, look, we're going to play with this. And, and you, look, you could make a thing, and you could, and you could certainly make something that would be interesting. But I think it would also take a very, very understanding uh, dungeon master and a very, very well prepared table to potentially sit down and play a game like that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. we all want different things from these games. When we get into into themes of horror, and especially personal horror to to to, to characters, uh, I think it's completely fair and right that some players are not interested in that kind of noise. Yeah. Right? They, they don't I, I want don't, it.
0: I don't and, know. if I would be actually
1: <laughs> right. And, and you shouldn't jam down anybody's throat, right? Because no. um, again, the goal being we're trying to have fun. Yeah. So if that is not someone's, uh, you know, flavor of fun, don't do it. But. Uh, my yeah, my my point being is going back you know to where we were in the conversation is, uh, the tone sticking to a tone an element uh, you know a, an idea and having you inform all of your design decisions creates implicitly creates cohesion, uh, mm-hmm. and makes the, the everything that much more believable. It's because it, I'm sure we've all been there as uh, DMs like I have this cool idea and I'm trying to fit it into my campaign but it's kind of a square peg, in a round hole. I really like the idea and then I find myself. Mm-hmm. Trying to jam it in, but it doesn't really fit. It doesn't no. really fit because I because I created it in a vacuum, right? Because it came from the outside as opposed to coming from the inside design. Um,
0: and, and I mean, there's also no reason you can't write that down and just of say, course, Look, I have wait, all wait, kinds wait, of things I write when, down." When this becomes th- like, I've written down like little ideas that are like, I don't know how I'd make this work, but it's a cool idea. And if I if I ever get the chance to to bring this in. It's it's right. going to be interesting, but but yeah. but letting your letting your play characters also, I mean, the, the way they interact with things, I mean, that's that chucks a, that throws bags of material out here. Yep, yep. Which I think is cool.
1: So, yeah, I mean, it's not a, I mean, obviously, it's not a well-defined adventure, but I think you know, if we if we talk from the from the, from shooting from the hip uh the red cap assassin with a naughty or nice list that's paid by drys and or druids who are protecting the christmas tree and the christmas tree could be a treant or or, or dryads home or whatever and connecting all those things together you have exploration you have social we can give comedy easy enough we can take the reindeer and we can make them you know giant elk that fly <laughs> and we can name them you know dasher dancer prancer and vixen etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh-huh. um and maybe maybe uh, you know the red cap rides a couple of these things that pull a sleigh, and he, in the sleigh he will put the bodies in uh, that for for his murder victim so he can get him out of there. And maybe he has some of the magic that he can go up and down chimneys. Um, you know, and, and then pretty quick with those elements. Uh, you've got a pretty well rounded adventure that will hit all three pillars uh, and all
0: tie back to Christmas at the same time. Yeah.
1: Um, so.
0: Yeah, that, that'd be cool. Um, and also, just going through some of the things that people said on, on comments on Twitter and whatnot, uh, Kim Hanley said that um, she had a, uh, a DM that ran them through a Christmas, sorry, yeah, ran a group through a questline that started out with Halloween and slowly slid into Christmas. And they said it was subtle and they didn't catch up until the very end. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah, because that's someone kind of been, playing a long con and playing it beautifully.
1: Well, it is kind of an interesting thing um, where we get we think we think of the holidays as a season, right? And it kind of starts with Halloween, right? Like Halloween in your country. you know, it'll be Thanksgiving and <laughs> in then your country. Christmas in What in my country? Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. But ha- Halloween's catching on in this country slowly.
1: But. Well, in in America, we kind of think of the holidays like there's like the holiday season, like it's like it's its own season because there's so many of these prominent holidays that are strung together. Even New Year's, right? Like it goes from Halloween to Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's Eve, and we have all those things packed together because there's all kinds of food and parties and such that are going to happen through the thing. So I like the idea of what Kim's saying is that this DM of hers kind of said let's, let's, let's look at the holiday season as the informant thing for this stretch of the campaign i think it's brilliant
0: yeah and um uh one of the people well, someone else said if it doesn't have sixteen thousand cookies that you're just dialing it in i mean that's that's a bit too many carbs for me <laughs> um but uh jacob from from my regular thing he said he's he's made some seasonal theme stories for his group before but he didn't play any that was specifically published um I, I like this How orchestral Stole Christmas. I think it's it's, it's pretty funny. It, it uses a lot of pop culture things and I think that's great. As like a final suggestion as well to look into, look into Russian Christmas traditions. Because they don't have Santa Claus, they have dieda Moros or, or Grandfather Winter. So there'd be some Slavic stuff to, to maybe look into. But um, unfortunately, that's actually all about the time I have. Um... Which sucks because I'm enjoying this way too much.
1: It's been a fun conversation. I've enjoyed it.
0: Excellent. So, um, Clay, it, pe- people should look you up on Twitter. They should they should ask you questions. Are they allowed to ask you questions? Is that okay? Absolutely. Oh, cool.
1: There are, in my opinion, there are two types of people on Twitter. And some people like to use Twitter only to make announcements, and then some people like to use Twitter for conversations. And the two don't always mix well. And I get that. I am the kind who invites conversations. Please. Uh, feel free to DM me or at me uh, all, all people want I love to talk shop uh, it's, it's an amazing hobby it's a lot of fun uh, I love meeting new people <laughs> old, old and new gamers alike uh,
0: they all have something to offer absolutely um, excellent so people can find you on Twitter um, what, what's your tag again on Twitter? is it just the DM, uh, DM behind the screen? Or
1: that... Well, DM behind the screen or, or at Hjoribir H-J-O-R-I-M-I-R um, but yeah, if you, I'm sure if you search DM behind the screen, you'll find me easy enough.
0: Excellent. Uh, and I have, uh, and I'm, I'm Josh. I'm, I'm the host of this podcast and, and two others because I obviously don't do enough with my absolutely no time that I have. Um, everyone, please go check out the other campaigns we're on the, the homebrew curse of Strahd, the, the Margreave stuff and every other wonderful person who's agreed to sit here and chat to me about how we do this crazy thing. Um, Clay, thank you again for your time. Thanks for having me on, Josh.